All right, welcome back. Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. I know you heard my interview there just a few minutes ago with Dr. Eric Feigl-Ding, who is a very prominent scientist out of the United States. Who gets a, he gets a lot of attention. And it was an interesting interview because he's paying very close attention to what's going on in British Columbia, especially with this P1 Brazil variant circulating in yeah. B.C. He knew a lot about what was going on. Well, here. It was kind of scary, some of the stuff he had to say. I've corresponded with him for, for yeah. well more than a month now. Uh, we've gone back and forth with direct messages on Twitter. He's um, sort of reached out trying to figure out what's going on here. He's, he's keeping a close eye on B.C. because we do have the most P1 cases the Brazilian variant outside of Brazil. He was one of the first. He's a very interesting guy. I mean, he's sort of shot to fame in this pandemic. He wasn't. Nobody knew who he was before the pandemic began. He's a bit of. He's very good at sort of marketing himself, but he, he's he's great at zeroing in on some issues. Particularly, he's one of the first guys to really point out what's going on in Brazil. Yeah, where it's a horrible situation. Uh, people are dying. Some of these towns, Manhouse, uh, Manhouse. Not sure exactly how you pronounce it. Is just the epicenter of this. It's in the Amazon rainforest. Uh, there are so many people dying there. They don't have enough um, uh, land to bury them horizontally. They're actually building vertical oh grave God. sites. And doctor, this doctor was one of the first to spot this, and that's what he's sounding the alarm. Now, he is sometimes he's been accused of being an alarmist, but having said that, he is uh, correct in a lot of his analysis in terms of uh, pointing out just where this virus is headed, and not just P1, other uh, variants as well. Yeah, we talked about the surge in this P1 variant in British Columbia. We talked about the Vancouver Canucks getting decimated here by a variant, which appears to be the P1. Well, that has know, not been officially confirmed. Nothing's but it's been, been confirmed on the, on the Canucks, including how many people are actually infected, other than just people well, who are Well, they said 25 actually, yesterday. Well, 25 are on the list, but that doesn't mean yeah. they're infected. It means 25 people are in, in well, protocols. Well, I think they were a little more clear on that yesterday, that they said it was 21 players and four staff. Still, infected. my understanding, talking to our people, that it wasn't infected, but a lot of them are infected. Now, the, the rumblings are this is all to do with somebody going to Whistler, where the P1 variant was rampaging a few weeks ago. That accounts for the surge in cases on the west side of Vancouver. You go to the BC Center for Disease Control and look on their ma the maps that they update every week. You go back a few weeks ago, not a lot of COVID on the west side of Vancouver, the west end. Suddenly, a huge spike, which continues to this day, on the west side and the west end, and in Whistler, and on the north shore. And you can just draw a line there and figure out that the P1 had a lot to do with those cases, and they all came from Whistler. Okay, very worrisome, and I think pressure on government now for maybe stricter lockdown or tighter controls. We saw what happened yesterday in Ontario. Here's uh, Ontario Premier Doug Ford announcing that uh, stay-at-home order. Today, on the advice of the Chief Medical Officer of Health, I'm declaring a state of emergency with a province-wide stay-at-home order effective 12.01 a.m. Thursday. This will be in fact for four weeks. Okay, that kicks in today. Ontario, people in Ontario actually got an emergency uh, text message on their phone telling them, do not go outside, stay It'll at home. It'll be very interesting. Ontario's gone up and down like a yo-yo in this yeah. pandemic. They have brought in restrictions. They've eased restrictions. They do it regionally. Um, literally within Toronto, they've got hot zones and cold zones. And now we've got a stay-at-home order. It'll be very interesting to see how this is enforced. I think you're going to see a lot of pushback from a lot of people who are just uh, at their wits end right now. And again, I, one of the reasons why I think BC is not having more ri rigid uh, lockdown is that there's a, the question of enforcement. Who enfor Who's going to tell people you have to go back to your house? Uh, is it going to be a, a city inspector? 
Is it going to be a police officer? Police officer actually has a bit of heft. I think a lot of people would ignore bylaw officers when you're told you can't leave your home. Okay, but if we continue to see a surge in cases, and especially with this P1 variant, which is you know scaring everybody, does that increase the pressure on Bonnie Henry to bring in tighter restriction? I mean, the, you know, Dr. Feigl, when I was speaking to him, was saying, you know, you got to have uh, maybe shut down the schools. You have to have tighter controls. Well, he talked about, he didn't talk about shut down the schools. He, he talked about maybe, having, he said maybe shut down the schools, maybe, but he talked about mandatory masking for kids as young as five. Yeah. So, which isn't really much more than what we got now. There's yeah. not a lot of kids between five and grade four. So there are kids between grade four and grade 12. So the vast yeah. majority of kids have to wear masks. Um, I don't, I don't see that uh, changing much. Uh, so the next logical step, do you shut, shut down uh, shopping malls? Do you shut down retail trade? That's, I mean, there's not much else to shut down. Uh, again, yeah. uh, he makes a good point. You try to minimize indoor gatherings as much as possible. Right. And that leads us to whether you shut down shopping malls and shut down stores. And maybe that's the next thing. I don't see any, any evidence that that's coming from Dr. Bonnie Henry. But as I say, nothing's ever off the table in this pandemic. Okay. The province has already shut down indoor restaurant service. So the restaurants are shut down. The pubs and bars are shut down. And there's pressure on government now to help mm-hmm. uh, the thousands of people who have been laid off as a result. And we are uh, anticipating an announcement this afternoon uh, from government with some kind of assistance package for the restaurant sector in particular. Here's uh, Dr. Henry here announcing those restaurant restrictions. Indoor dining at all food and liquor serving premises is paused. These locations may remain open for full meal service on patios or for takeout or delivery only. Okay, what do you think is coming this afternoon? Well, Premier Horgan did say something was in the works. There would be some assistance coming for the restaurant sector, um, just no details yet. So we expect Jobs Minister Ravi Kalon to uh, flesh out some of the details there. I expect, um, you know, we're in a situation where the government right now is going to run a deficit of $13 billion. Uh, we have a budget coming down on April 20th. It's going to have a huge deficit. Uh, there's never been a better opportunity for a government of the day to spend money because there's no expectation of balancing the budget. So if there's a $13 billion deficit, is it really different to the average person if it's a $15 billion <laughs> Why not deficit? make it? Why not go or, for $20 or, billion? Or, 20 or, or $11 yeah. billion. I mean, they're going to try to bring the deficit down, but they're not going to bring it down to, to balance, which means there's going to be some money for assistance, as there should be. Right, and that announcement is coming this afternoon. And one of the things that Kalon said in the last couple of days that jumped out at me is that he wants this to be rolled out quickly. He wants money going to people very quickly. Now, it, it's it's hard to put together an, like a, a dedicated earmarked restaurant recovery grant program mm-hmm. in very short order. So some speculation they could cut taxes, which might be the quickest way the government could give relief to this sector, cut liquor taxes, PST, uh, property taxes, employer health tax. Maybe that's what the government announces here this afternoon. Well, they, they've got a number of levers at their disposal. I don't think they can cut property taxes. That's a municipal thing. But you're right. The employer health tax is a very good example of something they can show some latitude on, uh, perhaps a, a sales tax. I mean, they, the, a sales tax would, would take effect much quicker than what we've seen with other uh, recovery or assistance programs, which the government's been criticized, rightly so, for sort of stumbling through getting these relief grants out the door to, to businesses, to individuals. That's been a problem for the government, but tax relief, is, as you're right, Mike, is, is much quicker. Okay, it's going to be fascinating to see some of these prominent BC liberals put on the witness stand <laughs> at the money laundering yep. public inquiry. So, I mean, you got a who's who here of liberal power players, uh, Rich Coleman, 
Christy Clark, of course, the former uh, premier, Mike DeYoung, all now being summoned to testify at this inquiry. Now, let me play this clip here for you, Keith, of Christy Clark. Uh, and, and I think this is maybe the only, if one of the few, if not the only time she has publicly commented on this money laundering issue since she left office. And she's in conversation here with a CKNW contributor, Mo Amir, who asked her about, did the Liberal government turn a blind eye to money laundering in casinos when they were in power? And here's what she said. From our perspective, we did go after the federal government regularly, asking them to do more, to pick up their duties and do more about this. We certainly did through the BC Lottery Corporation and through working with the RCMP in British Columbia, the police forces in British Columbia. So no, it's not true. It's not backed up by any of the facts. So she's saying it's not true. They turned a blind eye on it. She's pointing the finger at the feds and said, and we told the that. feds to do something about it. And she'll do that uh, under testimony as well. You know, the Liberals have caught a break here in that the money laundering probe has been pushed to the back. It's no longer a front page story. Yeah, but it's going to kick up a notch when she's testifying. Eh, not Coleman. as much as it would if there was no pandemic. Well, here's, here's what I'm anticipating. If she is asked about some of these questions like, why did you shut down that uh, dedicated police in mm-hmm. investigation unit? Uh, how come the, uh, the betting limits were raised so rapidly, 100,000 bucks a hand? She'll defer, playing blackjack. She'll defer to the minister. Well, could she possibly, though, say, and let's say she's asked, uh, she could she invoke cabinet secrecy? Could she say, I can't talk about what was discussed yeah, in she, cabinet? cabinet I, confidentiality. Can't, I can't disclose cabinet documents? I think the more interesting testimony is going to be from Rich Coleman, because he was the line minister. Uh, premiers usually don't, you know, they, they have an out and that they defer to the ministers. I think the testimony is going to be interesting. It's going to be from Rich Coleman. And he's been adamant all along. I mean, he's never shifted his position. But again, uh, the liberals have caught a break here because uh, with P1 variant, we're talking about P1 variants and people are talking about the virus and COVID. They're not talking about... Well, I think there's right going now. to be a moment though, potentially, when she is being grilled on this and she might turn around and say, I can't answer these questions because I cannot break cabinet secrecy yeah. laws. I will not release, I will not waive cabinet privilege and release documents. Yeah. And you might have a legal fight with this commissioner trying to get cabinet secrets and that's not going to be a good day for the Liberals if they get into a fight like that. No, but they haven't had a good day for quite a while. <laughs> so it just, I mean, they're in a bad situation. I'm not sure this turns a bad situation into a more horrible one. All right, welcome back. Keith Baldry is my guest. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Chris and Langley. Hey, Chris. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, I've been following Eric for quite a while, and uh, I'm not going to minimize 100% what he's saying. Like, there's a concern with P1 for sure. But as far as cases in B.C. having the most, I could be mistaken. Maybe you could correct me, but uh, we do more sequencing, more genome sequencing than most places, and we've been doing it for a lot longer than most places. A lot of places are just ramping up. And the severity of Brazil, also the one thing he tends to not point out is the fact that they've got a Trump-like president. They've got very little restrictions there. They never have, and Mm -hmm. it's running rampant mostly because of that. So we see crazy cases. Yes, P1, I'm not saying it's not an issue. But also a big issue, part of Brazil's issue, is their lack of, of mobility, lack of uh, doing anything about it. 
Yeah, so you no, know, you're very right. Their president is um, very much uh, the source of a lot of the trouble there. He refuses to buy vaccines. He refuses to. At first, he thought this was just a, a common cold, a uh, form of flu. Uh, he's got. Uh, he's responsible for uh, the mayhem that's going on there. And I don't think anybody's suggesting that what's happening in Brazil is going to happen in BC. I mean, it's just not going to happen. It, it's. It's. Uh, well, I think was the caller maybe suggesting that uh, we're getting a, a misleading impression of how much. P1 variant well, is circulating here because we're testing for it more? Or we te- well, we there's a debate, or, and it's going to be addressed by Dr. Bonnie Henry today, about just how we test for variants. So there's variants, and then there's variants of concern. All viruses mutate, and they all mutate into different variants of the virus. So there are lots of variants out there, but there's only ones, certain ones that are of concern. The UK, the B117, and the P1, the Brazilian variant, yeah. and to a lesser degree, the South African one, which we really don't have much at all. But when BC. he says, when that doctor I had on, when he says BC has the most Brazil variant COVID anywhere on the planet outside of Brazil, mm-hmm. is is that true? Is that accurate? I mean, w- you know, we, it's because we're testing for Based it. Based on testing. Right? Not every country, well, very few countries are actually testing for variants to the degree okay. we are. Okay, Jim on the line in Surrey. Hey, Jim. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Thank Good. you for taking the call. I want to sure. point out a discrepancy between the Ministerial Order 12 and page 2. It states that common areas in buildings are warranted for masks. Yet mm-hmm. in the health order, it says strongly recommended. If they could close that loop, that would be a good thing. Plus, remember, over 50% of the population lives in condos and apartments. We're flying by the seat of our pants. Sure. In my building, we've had COVID cases. So are you talking about people not wearing masks in, like, lobbies and hallways or something? Or Yes, correct. Yeah. Common yeah. building, common areas. It's, right. it's yeah. warranted. Warranted means it's against the law not to in this ministerial order. Yet the health order on, on the health page says strongly recommended. Okay, yeah, so it, it, it is unevenly applied. I've got, I've got a lot of emails on, on this and even talking to colleagues. Uh, some people say 100% you have to wear your mask in condos. Uh, that they live in, but it's not always the same, I think, in um, in a number of apartments. And I think a lot of it also, there seems to be a socioeconomic divide on this. I think the Yale Town condos, everybody's wearing a mask. I'm not so sure that's the case in some of the lower rent apartment, older apartment buildings hmm. in the suburbs. Okay, Bob on the line in Kamloops. Hey, Bob. Hi there. Hi. Um, my question is about uh, case counts and how they're calculated. So how are the new case counts calculated in bc each day are the same number of people being sampled today as yesterday in each health region and provincially because if you test a larger sample or a smaller sample on any given day your new case count could be skewed okay. I.e., you have you have to compare apples to apples each new each new day in each region Okay. Yeah, so if you go to the Center for Disease Control website, you go to the dashboard, what it's called, and you can see on the lower right the number of tests performed each day. Uh, they usually run about 9,000, but I noticed yesterday it was 11,000 tests. Uh, there's also the positivity rate you can also, on the left-hand side, you can click on there. Uh, so the more you test often, if the positivity rate is high, you're going to find more, more cases. If the positivity rate is low, more tests doesn't necessarily translate to that much more cases. So uh, it's basically an apples and apples comparison occasionally there are deviations where we are not testing a lot uh, particularly a, one of the weekend days traditionally typically has lower testing than it does on holidays there's lower testing uh, so again uh, go to the Center for Disease Control you can check out the testing every day okay Ken and Langley we're running out of time you got to go quick 
Yeah, we've had a lot of experts like Dr. Fagel today come on the show, lots and lots of them. I take confidence in a lot of their real expert science, um, maybe much more than uh, our own health official. I think our health official and our uh, our government is trying to play face saving mode right now and protect. They don't. They're stubborn and arrogant. They don't want to admit the failure to get to more uh, uh, stricter protocols, like shut down this uh, unnecessary travel within BC. Okay. Uh, and Thank a you. lot of other things. They're stubborn and and they're just stubborn and arrogant. Thanks. Twenty seconds. Well, uh, shutting down is a lot harder than people think. I invite people to walk themselves through the logistics of how you shut down travel in BC. Do you put RCMP armed guards at every single highway around BC? It's just not practical.